You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Say hello to my little friend. To infinity and beyond. Like tears in rain. On Wednesdays we wear pink. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Tears looking at you, kid. You talking to me? You're gonna need a bigger boat. You'll always have Paris. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Films and Friends. My name is Josh. I am joined as ever by Tobias. Hey everyone. And we're joined by Maisie. Hello, hiya. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Maisie. And uh, I hope you are enjoying, as much as the audience will be enjoying, uh, the band doing sound checks. Oh, in the I love it. Honestly, I love a bit of ambience. Like, this is, this is incredible for me. <laughs> Atmospheric podcast making. As with our previous podcast, to get around any kind of copyright issues, we have to make sure it's fair use. So I need to comment on it as well. I'm really enjoying it. How are you finding it? Honestly, drummer seems pretty good. Oh, yeah, the, the drums are good, to be fair. I can't hear the vocals very well, but they, they sound lulling. And that's fair use. So, um, <laughs> to sort of bring it back to the podcast itself. So, um, how do you know either myself or Tobias? So, I sort of... Well, I know Josh from Fuse FM. I know you are podcasting, head of podcasting, um, deputy station manager for the station. And Tobias, we, we sort of just got thrown into this friendship. It is great. You just... We're now we're like biggest fans of each other. It's, I love it. I'm so excited for it. Yeah, basically, it must have been at the beginning of the semester. Well, this, by the time this goes up. Anyway, beginning of the first <laughs> semester of, uh, so yeah, September 2019. We, yeah, just, I, I wanted to get more involved with the Mancunian slash MMG uh, teams because last year they, they made a bit of a push for it to be a bit more social and I did make a lot of friends with a lot of the editors. So, I just wanted to make a push for it and just, yeah, I, I went to Fuse FM stuff, we went to Mancunian Mixers, we met through there and we homies now. I love it. We, we are homies, I can confirm. <laughs> and you did slightly tease it before, but um, what do you do at university? Uh, yes, yeah, so, um, well, I do, I do maths. I'm a second year student. I do not enjoy it. So what I actually enjoy at uni is doing Fuse FM and being part of running the station. It's so exciting. And then I work in a pub. <laughs> Squirrels, in case... Anyone wants to know? Is it a pub? It's it's an experience. I would say at this point, <laughs> I don't even think it's it's. I, I wouldn't. I don't know how to describe it. Like I work at a pub back home, and my nan will be like, "Oh, so house squirrels? Like, can I get a, a like a Sunday dinner in there?" And I'm like, "You would not want one. Like, <laughs> no. you can get crisps if we've got them in." I was gonna say they don't do food in there, do they? No, they used to apparently. <laughs> oh but, god! Oh, that that would go really wrong. And I wanted to also highlight that you have. Is it just one show on Fuse? I, yeah, I have one show that's my baby, which is Mind If I Expose, Tuesdays at 1pm. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I have no idea what time it's going to be on next semester. <laughs> so ignore that. Uh, yeah, I just play like new songs and all that, talk to bands, it's quite fun. And then I've got a show with my housemates and best mates and work colleagues, which is very needy and clingy of me. But uh, yeah, that's Girls Aloud, and we talk about different topics each week. This week it was Christmas, which was a bit of a cop-out, but thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> Just to be clear there, to anyone listening who may have missed that slightly, it's Girls Are Loud, oh, as yeah. opposed to the... Uh, is it Cole? No. It's Cheryl Cole, isn't it? I don't know. Loud. One of them was I in the jungle was, this year, it? wasn't it? Oh, Nadine Coyle. Yeah, she Flyer. was in it. <laughs> she had to make me howl. Yes, it's girls are loud because we're we're so funny. Well, that but... Christmas show brought me a lot of joy. I was oh. lying in bed with uh, low fever, it was very high, and um, the norovirus. So I was, uh, yeah, I was listening to the show, having I, I had a 
banging migraine, but the um, YMCA oh. Christmas, uh, which is absolutely brilliant. Just look for it's, a YMCA Christmas. It's as it furnace and the fundamentals. It is single-handedly the best song uh, Christmas. Not even Christmas. The best song I've ever heard because you know it, but you don't know it. it like it's brilliant. It's actually the brilliant. The best parody. And it brought me a lot of joy. And then I threw up. So, uh, but nothing <laughs> to do with your show. And you sent it to me at like half past one in the morning the other day. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Do you think I was going off on some kind of Twitter rant about Christmas songs anyway? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. saw that. I saw I Twitter loved rant. That. I, I couldn't was like, sleep, and I was like, Josh is off on one. Yeah, he's on one. But to sort of take it from um, various media things, let's take it back to film, because it's films and friends, and that's <laughs> what, what we're doing every week. Uh, so what we'd like to start with is for you to um, just go through like some of your favourite films, actors, genres and directors. Yes, yeah, so um, I'm really weird. I wouldn't say I have like a genre I enjoy. Uh, I'm totally quirky and crazy like that. I'm so, so vague. But um, I put down in this uh, form you gave me, like my favourite film, I would say, is Inglorious Bastards, which I can say because it's an E and not an A. <laughs> we, That's all good. We love off combo. <laughs> um, yeah, Tarantino, absolutely incredible film. I showed it to someone. I was seeing this boy last year and that's when I knew I didn't like him because he yawned. He yawned like 10 minutes in and I was like, you need to get out. Like, that is disgusting. Wow. What time were you watching it though? Like what time of day? It's like 2pm. Yeah, no, that's like, unacceptable. stop it. And he'd also woken up at 11. So yeah, no, no excuse other than bad taste. But then that makes me sad because I was part of that taste. Yeah, I've only seen it. I don't. I think I've only seen it once. I think I saw it. I saw it when I was quite a lot younger than I am now, maybe like 14. Yeah. And I'm not sure I really... I didn't go that much on it, but I think it's probably because I didn't really appreciate it that much. And it's definitely probably a film I need to recheck out and sort of review again. I think it's just... I've just I just like remember watching it like three summers ago and I'd literally watch it every day for two weeks and I, I was in France so we've got a holiday home in France and that sounds like oh fun fancy continental it's it's a home it's a home none of us can speak to the neighbours so it's a nightmare <laughs> it's basically prison but like good food and we've just got loads of oh we don't have internet we can't get wi-fi so it's just this dvd collection this massive horde and that was one I was like oh, I'll try it and then I became addicted and I was like quoting it and it got to the point where I could turn the subtitles off because like there's so many languages in it so they speak in like German and French and Italian at one point that's a good scene Brad Pitt smashes it I need to watch that film you need it, to it's, I, I need to it's so good it's about it's like set in the past like during the Nazis kind of era it's about Nazi hunters yeah. right and the Nazi hunters and it kind of twists history and that'll be good fun and I, I bring this up every week because I'm like, my dissertation is about Jews on film. And oh. this is what I'm looking into. But yeah, I, all I know is that Eli Roth plays a character called yeah, the Bear Jew. Your, I was going to say it's got your friend Eli Roth in. It, yeah. Eli Roth, I'm the <laughs> biggest homie. crush on Eli Roth. There's a scene in the film. Oh, I, I've rewatched this. Every time I watch it, I have to go back and forth on this scene. He like is in a tunnel and they go like, De Bear Jordan or something, which is the Bear Jew. And all you hear is this banging. And it's like, it gets louder and louder and louder. It's echoing in this tunnel. And then this gorgeous man with these huge arms comes out of a baseball bat <laughs> yeah. and hits a Nazi in the head with it. Like, it's, is there Beautiful. anything more than you want from a film? Did I did I tell you my uh, one-sided interaction with Eli Roth? No. Yeah, they're, right. friends, on fe- they're friends on Twitter. Basically. No, <laughs> so what happened was, uh, Grimfest 2018, I went to see a film called Summer of 84 which is a fantastic film that everyone should watch. <laughs> and I tweeted out my review, and what I do is I, I'll usually tag the 
the page of the so the account of the film. Yeah. I tag the, the account of the film and then the next day one of the guys who was in the film tweets out my review saying, uh, at Eli Roth, hey buddy, how you doing? Hope everything's alright. Uh, I'm in this film, thought you'd check it out. I play, uh, thought you might like it. I play the dad. Here's a sick review by That's Why I Saw. And then Eli Roth quotes this guy's tweet saying, I'm doing all right, buddy. Yeah, I'll try and check it out next time. Um, I'm, it's on or whatever because uh, I'm, I've been busy, but it looks real good. <laughs> and I'm like, so Eli Roth has read one of my reviews. That's so sick. I love that they're just having like a conversation. That's just definitely not what Twitter is for. Just, yeah. But I love that. It, it, oh my it was, god. It was a big boomer moment. It's a bit of a damning indictment of the guy who the guy couldn't DM it to him. Probably yeah. very, it seems like a very one-sided friendship if you couldn't yes, DM it to him. You have to call them out to get a reply. <laughs> yeah. But but the, but here's the thing. If sometimes you just want to make a conversation public on yeah. Twitter. There's just something about it. Mm. And sometimes you don't. Yeah, yeah, I think most of the time I don't. <laughs> no, well, one of the most confusing group chats I have on Twitter is with my friend Richard, who was on the show, and my friend Mossin. And it's called Bumbaclart. And we will send anything from hip-hop, like, hip-hop beef to <laughs> weird memes to politics. It's just, it's a mess. See, I was very late to the Twitter bandwagon. I got it this year. I, oh no, I didn't. Shockingly, I feel like you probably don't like it. Not sure about you, Tobias, but uh, I got it when Love Island was on. I watched the um, <laughs> series with Danny Dyer. Okay, and yeah. I, I kind of got into that, but this year I was out of the country for the first two weeks. I genuinely shocked. Never could get into it after that. I thought you'd be a lot more damning. <laughs> I thought you'd be like, get out of the studio right now. <laughs> I, I watched maybe two episodes earlier last year. Uh, so the season that was before... So early, or was it the only one in 2018? Can't remember. Early 2018. Yeah. And I thought it was absolute trash. <laughs> <laughs> absolute trash. Yeah, but that was kind of. It's when you're like with. I would never watch it by myself. I would never just sit and be like, "Oh, Love Island's No, on. but you got to gossip about the people. It's when you're with your housemates, and that's. I was in Fair. halls, so we all sat and watched it, and they were all like laughing at tweets, and I was. I was got so fed up of being like, "What? What? What was that? What did that say? Like, show me it." So I just got Twitter, and I'm still awful at using it. No idea. Rules. Apparently, I found out that I was retweeting instead of replying to people, and I've been doing quote, that for like three months. Tweeting. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't know that. And then my housemate's like, "You need to stop that. It's you'll, really weird." And I was like, there. "Oh, okay." But see, I think Love Island's terrible. But you think that some terrible Netflix films are some of your favourites? Okay. Transition right there. I, 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 I can't help it. I get so into Netflix has some of the worst films ever made. The budget on them must be incredible. Uh, like I watched one the other day, Let It Snow, uh, Netflix original film. John Green helped write the novel it's based off, and so I was like, "Oh yeah, it'll probably be good." Atrocious, atrocious, and, and the characters. So it's it's sort of like multiple. It's sort of like Love Actually esque, where there's multiple stories going on, and okay. then they'll be like, "Oh, but I'm friends with that guy," and then at the end they all sort of come together for this party in a waffle shop. It's ridiculous. There's not a single character in it that's slightly likeable. <laughs> but it's not even like... You know, you can watch like The Sopranos and something and some of them are so vile. You're like, yeah, that's that's my guy because you hate them. Oh, no, yeah. not even that. They're just mediocre at best. And there's one girl and it's a very weird storyline and she runs into... Oh, her train breaks down. They don't explain why. 
it breaks down and then they're like you have to stay on the train and her and this guy jump off and oh my god it's it's a famous singer it's her favorite singer and if they like go to this waffle place and he's like 26 and she's applying for college and they don't really explain it but they he's like really weird and then he ends up like spending christmas dinner with her family and it's it's great. They've got so many of the are they going to kiss moments. And they're just, oh, and then it falls away. And you're like, I have, I watched it all. I did love it. <laughs> How long's it gone for? Oh, too long. <laughs> probably, probably like an hour and 50 minutes, which is, that's that's a commitment for a film. Have you seen any of the um, uh, Christmas Prince? I saw it appear when I opened Netflix, yes. but I didn't click on it because... No. Another <laughs> awful film. Um, yeah, so that's a trilogy now. I've never heard it's, of it. Okay. I, I it's I've seen two. I watched one yesterday. So there's a Christmas Prince, a Christmas Prince, the Royal Wedding, a Christmas Prince, the Royal Baby. So exciting, and it's about the Prince of Christmas. I think the Prince of Aldovia. You know the 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 fame nation that it is. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Aldovia. The People's Republic of Aldovia. The accents Those in it. Always do well in Eurovision, right? Yeah. Aldovia, yes. yeah. <laughs> Rooting for them. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the, all the accents, so basically it's about a journalist who has to go find out about this, like, playboy prince in Aldovia, do an expose. Where is it in the world? They don't say. <laughs> their accents, anywhere. it's like, they're posh, and then they remember to have, like, a weird, like, Eastern European twang that they okay. just add on at the end of sentences. So I'll be like... We're so glad that you came here. And you're like, what? <laughs> what? It, it just, I'm confused the whole time. And um, yeah, she's a journalist doing this expose. And then she obviously ends up in the actual castle, like where the royals live alone because she got lost. And I'm like, this would just never happen. And then they're like, oh, you're the tutor. So-and-so to teach so-and-so. And like gives all the details. So she's like, why, yes, that is me. And then starts teaching this child who, <laughs> right, this is insensitive. It's a bit, it was the best scene I've ever So the, the little <laughs> girl in it that she becomes the tutor of, she knows that the this woman's lying to her. She, she, but she knows and they get on and they're, they're friends. The, the girl's um, disabled. And there's a scene where she goes, they go, it's awful. There's a scene where they go tobogganing and then the prince like intercepts and like they all fall over. And then the, the tutor and the prince have this romantic moment. But the, the girl's lying in the snow oh, no. for the whole scene. And it's really <laughs> uncomfortable terrible. to watch. But it's one of those things where I was like, I don't think I could laugh, but who on earth would let that go in? Oh, so, well, um, in such a seemingly innocent, well, yeah, seemingly innocent film. Yeah, and then you're just like, this is torture. Like, this is this is horrible. This is child abuse. <laughs> so, what, so what is it that you specifically like about these trashy films? Because I can't really sit through films like that because I just find them unbearable. Yeah. And I get some people kind of enjoy that, where it's, it's kind of like watching TikToks, where you just watch oh. cringy TikToks. And you're like, these people are making fools of themselves. But I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Is that kind of what you get from them? I feel like I'm like a glutton for punishment. Like, I just really <laughs> enjoy being bitter and not liking things. I, I love hearing my own voice. I will never watch a trashy film alone in my room. I won't, well, arguably, I mean, you guys will be like, Bridget Jones, disgusting. No, Bridget <laughs> Jones. Bridget Jones slaps. Those slaps. Those films are fun. Mm. But it's when I'm in my housemates and stuff, I'll be like, guys, do you want to hear hilarious commentary? 
pop this on. So it's like mystery. It's by MSTK three thousand, but instead of mystery, it's Maisy Science Theatre three thousand. <laughs> yes, that, that's me. <laughs> Does it have to be um, romantic films? No, I don't think. Oh, I think most of them are because most Netflix originals, like they very much cater towards teenage girls who yeah. want to fall in love at Christmas and stuff. But I'm pretty sure I've seen some like. Netflix originals for like children that have just been awful. I've got two younger sisters, so I watched this. Oh, it was about a pirate, and it was genuinely like they went, "Here's five million dollars and ten minutes to make a film." It was so awful because the, the oh, I can't remember what it's called. It was called like Blackbeard something. Yeah, is it, is it animated? Yeah, and it was it was appalling. I swear, yeah, I've probably seen that pop up. And Sometimes it recommends it to me. She loved like, I don't it. Want My little sister that. Jemima, she's like, oh, can watch it again. I'm like, honestly, no, like, <laughs> shut up. Like, you're five now, grow up. <laughs> but I think kind of the worst Netflix content that I don't watch it myself. Okay, yeah, Becca sure. likes to watch it <laughs> and I sit next to her as an excuse to watch it. Uh, Riverdale. <gasps> okay. Oh, no, I'm with you on that. I grew up on Archie comics. I, yeah, I, I had a, a lot. I was obsessed with them. I was so... You know Riverdale, the TV show? I don't get it. I've it's, never watched it. It's appalling. I, I loved the first season. I was like, you know, it's a kind of a vibe. I watched like five episodes of that and I thought it was good. I thought it was good. And then and then it gets... I stopped watching it like halfway through season two. And you, you watch... And you see clips of it now and it's genuinely like... It's you can't write that. Like, the later no season as well. So basically, Riverdale is based on the Archie comics. I'm aware because it's in the, the one with um, the girl from Mad Men. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. Also, that's yes. a spin-off, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So uh, did you ever read the Archie comics? Have you ever seen them? Uh, I'm aware of them. I've it's basically teenagers yeah. at high school and they have, you know, romance plots, but then they have like different kind of adventures but they're not necessarily anything that outlandish yeah and then it got a bit outlandish because they had like crossovers with and i'm not even kidding there is one which is which came out this year and it's a uh archie and predator stop um oh yeah that's how i've heard of it because i'm pretty sure i saw that online <laughs> there you go yeah, yeah, so, yeah yeah so they have weird crossovers but the, sh- the show they went right let's get archie but let's um Turn the contrast up, turn the exposure down, make it moody lighting. Everybody has to talk in just really edgy tone of voice and say really edgy things. And let's make it a murder mystery. Oh yeah, someone's dead. Someone which is has kinda to be cool. dead. Which is kind of cool, right? But then it gets weirder. One of the seasons, turns out there's a cult. And then it, it just gets more and more weird. But the latest season, every episode... So, it, so you have the whole arc of the story, which... It's one of those shows where it should have ended, but they keep adding on arcs. And that big arc... The House of Cards, I like to call that. All the Oranges and New Black. Or yeah. anything that Netflix makes. Yes. They have and... to extend it to the <laughs> point of abuse. Yeah, so it's got all. So it's got the overarching arc of, of uh, I don't know, the cult and, and murders and whatnot. But every episode is themed around a film. And that just it goes cool. through the... It's not. It's not. <laughs> it really is not. I know that. One of them... So one of them was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And uh, have you guys seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? No, I've only seen the the infamous like sliding scene. It's, it's actually a really fun film. I watched it uh, a couple months ago. And it one of the things I noticed is it feels a bit like a music video. And then you realise the guy who directed it had an experience in advertising. Oh, okay. So it really pulls together. It's, it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun film. And there's one scene where Ferri, uh, Ferris Bueller's friend 
I can't remember his name right now, smashes his dad's car with a baseball bat. Um, and the car then rolls out a window and falls off. So his idea was that, you know, he, he he's sick of his dad controlling his life. So he's like, I'm going to lash out. I'm going to break the one thing he loves the most. And then he realizes that was a terrible idea. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> Whereas in Ar- in Archie, in, not Archie, in Riverdale, they're like, oh man, you got to break your dad's car. And th- the reason is really vague. And they smash up this car with a baseball bat. And it's just, it, it, it doesn't have the same kind of, it, it, it doesn't carry the meaning that it did in the film. It's not that deep, but yeah. it's it, they miss it completely. And if you go through the titles, um, so Josh, if you say what you're going to say now, I will find the titles of the episodes. Oh, I, I didn't was, even know this. I was just going to say that I've been dead against any kind of um, teen kind of drama thing since I ended up watching the first season of 13's Re- 13 Reasons Why, oh, no. which made me so angry that I couldn't bear to ever watch any kind of teen drama ever again. Really? I cannot stand that. See, I did love the first season and I got like halfway through the the first episode of season two and I was like, this is awful. Like when when season one came out, I dyed my hair brown and got a bob. So I'm I'm very much one of those. Like I was one of the irritated. I was like, I'm gonna be like Hannah, which is I mean, a that's horrible, a, toxic yeah, that's not that's, mind frame to have. That's not an aspiration. <laughs> Hannah Baker from that film is not an aspirational <laughs> character. My other problem with that film is that, and I, I I don't mean to besmirch the good name of someone who has obviously passed away, but she does come across as one of the most unlikable characters. Oh, truly horrible. She's so problematic. Yeah, she's really unpleasant. I mean, obviously, like, obviously you do find out why she's that unpleasant but it's not a good place to start from no i was so shocked though because the um the actress is australian have you heard her interviews no it's so trippy because she's she's literally like, like got this like perfect american accent and then it like cuts off and she's like yeah so when we were filming it and you're like what <laughs> things like that just... well, it's like it, kj appa in uh oh, yeah. he's he's kiwi isn't he he's kiwi, right? yeah. yeah and he just doesn't come across as Kiwi. I, I was very confused when I saw an interview. But yeah, my um, opinions of it have also been quite badly marred by the fact of some of the stuff that's happened since it came out in terms of um, the effect it's had on other people's mental health. Oh yeah, I can't watch it anymore. I, quite I used bad. To... Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, from the get-go I was like, this is terrible. And yeah, <laughs> I, they shouldn't have made 13 Reasons Why at all. So just to go back to Riverdale. <laughs> season 4, which is the current season that is still ongoing, but currently like on a mid-season break, uh, chapter one was in memoriam, which was uh, uh, one of the actors passed away, so it's kind of like an episode about his funeral. It's a bit sad. Then uh, chapter two, uh, well, chapter fifty nine. You know how many episodes there are? Uh, Fast times at Riverdale High. Um, nice. Next is Dog Day Afternoon, <laughs> Halloween, Witness for the Prosecution, Hereditary, oh, man. the Ice Storm. In Treatment, which I looked it up, and In Treatment, um, I don't know if the show's called In Treatment, but it's a, it was a TV show, kind of like Dr. House uh, deal, not, yeah, House, uh, House deal, yeah. yeah, where it's kind of, it, it, he's a psychoanalyst, and people watch it, and they're like, ah, yes, this is accurate portrayal, and it's not an accurate portrayal. <laughs> Wait, so are these, so are these, so are they based on literal things, or is it like themes? So, so, so fast it's original, themed, oh. because the whole episode looks like looks like they try and kind of borrow some of the aesthetic from the film but it follows uh the thread of the um film or tv show it's 
paying tribute to. If you can but even why call is it that. paying tribute to Fast Times at Ridgemont High and then doing Ferris Bueller at different films? Oh, that that, that was in another episode. Oh, in another okay. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah fair so e- each episode is a different thing. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the Halloween one or the Hereditary one. Uh, I think I might just do that this weekend and cry that'll be offensive I can't stand Halloween episodes of things I it's weird I can watch a horror film if I'm with people I can watch it it's fine I'll get scared I'll sleep with the lights on a few weeks it's fine I can deal with that it's things that aren't really meant to be scary they're meant to be sinister so when like a teen TV show will do a Halloween like literally rivet terrifies me cannot do it can't go near it it's like Pretty Little Liars I'm still unable to watch that at night that is it, like a teenage girl, like that. It's a, it's a, it's sinister, but it's not scary. Like someone's just following them. But yeah. I literally, I'm 20 years old, <laughs> and I live in fear of like the cutscenes and pretty little. Like at the end of every episode, there'll just be someone with a glove, and I'm like, oh no, I oh, should have no. turned it off five seconds ago. Have you seen, which is a brilliant TV show? Have you seen Gravity Falls? No. So Gravity Falls uh, is made by Alex Hirsch, is the guy who made it, and it has two seasons. And essentially, it's an animated TV show, uh, which kind of, the if you haven't seen it, but you will recognize the art style, it kind of looks like Steven Universe, but without so many bright colors. Right. Kind of like um, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, but the characters have outlines. Yeah. It, so it looks like a kid's show. And yeah. it's these two kids go um, to their great uncle Stan's uh, cabin in the middle of the woods where he he has a tourist trap, essentially. And it is his... It the cabin is filled with all sorts of knickknacks and well, it's a bit wacky. But they find a book which tells you about all the monsters and stuff that live in the forest. And all of it is is pretty lighthearted because it's like vampires and werewolves, but not that dark. And then the finale, which is basically spread out over about four episodes, <laughs> is so dark. That I was watching and I was thinking, this, this you can tell this was intended for adults because yeah. the, the kind of existential parallel dimensions, but complete horror that it's it's kind of like Lovecraftian horror. It's pretty damn dark. Have you seen they are um, making a film with Nicolas Cage, but Lovecraftian is it, uh, H.P. Lovecraft's The Color, something to do with color. An asteroid hits the planet, and then there's, uh, Nicolas Cage lives on a farm, and then it's being taken over by the color purple. Oh, we got emails about it. Yes, we did get emails about <laughs> yes. that. Yes, I saw some early reviews from it from America, and that it actually looks quite good. I, I it's, wouldn't know. It's produced by the same people who did Mandy. Ah, yes, yes, I remember the emails now. Uh, yeah, I no, guess I, we'll check it out. <laughs> I did hear, I heard good things about Mandy actually. Yeah, I yeah. didn't see Mandy either. Um, have you heard of Mandy? No, I just feel like I'm at a warehouse project or something. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Mandy's a film with uh Nicolas Cage, and it. I think it's course like a revenge film. I think his daughter gets killed and or, or kidnapped, and he goes after them. But the whole thing is intensely pink and purple neon, oh. and just like ultraviolet, um, ultraviolet and ultraviolet uh, oh, scenes. Nice. So it, it's all very over the top, kind of acid trip. Yeah, I, and it was really well reviewed. A lot of people really enjoyed it. Yeah, I saw a lot of good stuff about it. And just one more thing on sort of the things you put on your favourite films, actors, genres, and directors list here is Maggie Smith. Honestly, national icon. I I will fight to the death about that. It's it's her in Death of the Nile. She's also always been kind of old. Like, there's have you seen um, Othello, the one with Laurence Olivier? No. Uh, 
also okay offensive he's playing othello okay. that's problematic it's so but it's 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 like beyond blackface it's oh, it's so God. offensive and she's uh, about 20 in that like 20 23 and she could be like she could be 20 or she could be like 48 like it's really hard to, she's got these wizened eyes um i just think she's an icon um first wives club smashed it in that i haven't seen the Downton Abbey film yet but i'm saving it for christmas i think my mom's got it for my nan oh brilliant i got don't pull your face were you a fan of the tv series yeah. I never Loved watched it. it. I didn't understand the appeal of it. I don't find period stuff that in- entertaining. That's the point, though. You don't miss anything. Like, I watched... The, there were three episodes and I was, like, doing revision at the time and I was like, oh, I wasn't actually fully paying attention. So I looked up, like, the synopses and um, a pig farmer was introduced. And that was it. And that was In it, an hour? It, no, in three episodes. <laughs> oh, right, okay. So that's, like... Three hours. Apparently the film is kind of... My dad really enjoyed it. My dad and stepmom love Downton Abbey and they really enjoyed the film. They said it kind of felt like a... It was basically a bit of fan service. It's kind of like a longer episode. Yeah. Just, yeah, it just works if you're a fan of Downton Abbey. She's just iconic and everyone will recognise her because of Harry Potter and all that jazz. Yeah, I think that might be one of the only... I think probably that and um, what's the one called where it's all the old British actors and they send them to India with... Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. That's the one. Yes. Yes, I've seen her in that and she's a racist. Yes. Yeah, she yeah, is a racist, ends. but she be- she gets a bit more tolerable towards yeah, the Yeah, she end, becomes, so. yeah. It's basically a story of her becoming less racist. Which, honestly, I'm going to send my nan to India to, for that very effect. <laughs> but yeah, I, other than that, I don't think I've seen her anything else other than Harry Potter. There's um, a film that my nan is obsessed with. Driving with Daisy. Oh no! But it's like um, it's the the prime of Miss Jean Brody, and that it's Maggie so Smith specific. and her ex husband are in it. I think it's her ex husband. I'm not sure if they actually ever got married. And she's a, a teacher who sort of instills communism and socialism into her pupils. And all the other teachers are like, "Well, please don't do that." And they all like one of the girls goes to Argentina or something and marches. But it's I mean, I was like, "Oh, this film is lovely. It's so it's so lovely. She's so charming." But the husband's character in it is literally a teacher dating a 15-year-old student ah. in the film. And it's, like, so romanticised. My, my, she genuinely doesn't see that it's problematic. And I'm like, yeah, different times, but not really, because it's only, like, yeah. 40 years old. Like, But th- thinking of... Uh, uh, we were mentioning Downton Abbey and <laughs> Harry Potter. Did you see what Maggie Smith said in an interview earlier this month? She okay. was just asked about life and... They mentioned Harry Potter and whatnot. And she said that her roles in Harry Potter and Downton Abbey weren't what you'd call satisfying because she didn't feel that she was actually acting. That, Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah, basically. I didn't want to say it on the podcast because I didn't want to besmirch the good name of Maggie Smith, but I have heard <laughs> only negative stories about horrible things she said about people. I think she <sighs> said something once about Michael Gambon not being able to remember lines. And was just horrible about it. Oh no! Like saying she, I think she actually at one point she refused to work with him in the future because apparently it was pe- she was saying it was painful having to act with him because he kept forgetting his lines and stuff. So oh no! He's pretty old, you know. I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Never meet your hero. Yeah, or, true. Or hear about her. Something that almost made me cry when I read the thing was um, on your least favorite films. You said you don't like Call Me by Your Name. I, I honestly elaborate. I can't. So 
I live with uh, two of my housemates, Lily and Charlotte. You both know Charlotte. Um, it's her favourite film. Charlotte watches it at least like once a week. <laughs> and I was like, I, I was really sick a couple weeks ago. I went back home and I was like, you know what? I'll just watch it because it's quite a long film. I don't normally have time it is pretty long, to just yeah. sit and watch a film for like no reason if I'm not doing anything in the background. And I had to watch it in two parts because I, I could not take it anymore. I just... It was so pretentious to me. I just couldn't do it. It is very pretentious. There's, it is such a soft boy film. There's moments of it that I'm like, oh, it's quite sweet. But I feel like it could have been 40 minutes long. Like, the, my favourite character in it is at one point this this random Italian man shows up with a fish. He, he was hands on my favourite character. <laughs> I just, I didn't, and I was, I was trying to explain it and I just went like, I didn't get it. And they were like, oh, you just didn't understand it then. And I was like, no, I understand well, it. It's because, not that deep. Because nothing happens. So yeah. I'm exactly... I just couldn't do it. And I know it's so controversial because everyone loves it and Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer. And I love those those guys. They're, they're great. I mean, not that I haven't seen Timothy in anything else. But... To be fair, you are saying this to a man who spent this weekend in Italy and literally visited I, I various yeah, places. Yeah, Bergamo. Yeah, yeah. Bergamo, Italy. <laughs> and literally <laughs> took photos and, and put them on Instagram compared to the actual yeah. photos from the actual film. After I submitted the four, I was like, oh no, this is going <laughs> to no, go down really wrong. No, that's all right. But <laughs> what made me watch the film, so I kind of didn't really have any interest in it. And it was, let me see, last summer, maybe? Or, no, not last summer, so summer 2018, when I was, I can't find the podcast right now, but there was a fashion podcast I was listening to, and they had an episode on how films influence fashion trends. And they were talking about Call Me By Your Name, and they're saying, I know it's a very recent film, but I feel that this film has this aesthetic, which it pushes, was what one of the people was saying. And it was saying how... This film started pushing uh, a lot of guys to go for more flowy um, button-up shirts. Uh, shorts became, like, short, short shorts. Very, <laughs> became, very short. Very short shorts <laughs> became a lot more uh, popular last year and this summer because of Call Me By Your Name. And I was thinking, as someone who's interested in fashion, I'm going to watch it because I think that aesthetic is cool. So the real question is, how many long flowy shirts and pairs of short, short, short shorts do you now own? <laughs> so... Short, short, shorts. Now only, actually none. I had two, but they, I tore holes in them. <laughs> they were two, um, two short, short, shorts. They, they were just yeah, two exactly. short, 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 short. Yep, there you go. So, and the current shorts I have, I had to buy um, when I went to Peru over the summer to visit my girlfriend's family. We were going to go to the desert, and I just, yeah, I just walked around Lima and found some uh, board shorts, which are essentially swimming trunk yeah. shorts. Mm. They're actually great. They're so comfy. I sleep in them. Yeah. I sleep in a pair of, like, um, people always rinse me for it, like my housemates. Whenever I have to, like, if I go in my room to go to sleep, I'll go and get a drink from the kitchen, and I'll walk through our living room with just a t-shirt on, and then a pretty short, like, um, yeah, board shorts. Yeah. Like, absolute, absolute like, pelters every time. But, but they're, they're so comfortable. Uh, but these actually have, like, net pockets and a, exactly. like, like, utility. They, they look like chino shorts, but you can actually swim in them, which I did. Mm. Um, and they dry up quickly as well. They do. Not that I like piss the bed when I sleep or anything. No, no, yeah. but okay. that's the Charge revealing trauma. But but no, back, back to call me by your name. So I watched it because ju- simply because of the fashion. Yeah. Literally just why I watched it. And I enjoyed it because I thought it was just a very 
it's just a film that you you go along with the atmosphere and just enjoy it for what it is. Soundtracks pretty good. Uh, the soundtrack is Stevens. beautiful. I'm not gonna lie. There are some songs in it that I have I do listen to yeah. like now. Mystery They're just, of like, Love, soft yeah. and yeah. Of course. One thing I do really appreciate about the film is I think it's quite unique in the sense that obviously it's about like a homosexual like re- relationship. I, I don't even know how you define them. Yeah, but, summer, um, a summer re- love. Yeah, summer love. And I think most of the films that involve homosexuality, it's a struggle that's imposed on them by society. Yeah. But in the film, it's imposed on them by themselves. Yes. And I think that's such an important narrative to actually have out there. Because, I mean, the dad's got that monologue at the end that was about 20 minutes too long, in my opinion. It w- yeah, it was long. But it was really important to have that in a film. Because some people, the, the hardest part of coming out is coming out to yourself. Yeah. And coming out to the person that you love. But um, in in films nowadays, all you see is like, oh, what are mum and dad going to think? And yeah, I, I, did, I did really respect that. I thought that was... Very well done. It feels very natural, and that, that's something that I, I really like about it. It's one of the reasons I don't watch rom coms is because they feel they, they are forcing the relationships to happen. It's very much these are two people, and they're going to fall in love because it's a guy and a girl, and that's how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> they're going to fall in love. And some films, and, and some, some films try to subvert that, and it's like, no, but these two guys are going to fall in love because he's like all, tr- you know, troubled and edgy, but he's like rich and whatnot, and they really try and force romances. Yeah. Whereas this film. It's about a romance, and it could have been, could have been, you know, I mean, two a uh, uh, straight couple, a yeah. lesbian couple. It just, it's just about the struggles of a difficult love, and then it has that other layer of, of as you were saying, the, the fact yeah. of coming out to yourself and all that. So I think it's a very, very tasteful film. I do, it I do, and I think it's romance. very beautiful. It just, I, it's not like I like this like fast paced thing. I just, it was a bit drawn out. I think the thing that irritated me was the the whole um, "I'll call you by my name, you call me by yours." Yes, that because was very. If yeah. a lad said that to me, I would literally punch him in the face. Because I was, <laughs> imagine just just me going, "Amazing!" Like it's so weird. Like no. I, I, I don't understand that. That was weird. But this film, at the end of the day, it, it's a big soft boy film. Where it is a soft boy it, film. It's the kind of thing where if a guy on Tinder were to open and you see that his favorite song is Jan, his favorite artist is Sufjan Stevens. And he's got, you know, kind of like light pastel image <laughs> images. And then he opens the, the, your conversation with a, hey, call me by, you want to you know, call you by mine or whatever. Hey, Keith. I'm like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing on the list here that I actually had to look up because I thought this was a fever dream from my own childhood that didn't exist. <laughs> it's Monster House. Because I watched yes. that when I was a kid and I'd completely forgotten about its existence at all. And there are so many things. Right, okay, the, the one, I'll just, get, I'll go with this, okay. So, Mod's House it is an animated film. It came out, I don't know, probably 2007? Mid-2000s. Yeah. Mid-2000s, yeah. And the only image I can actually remember other than the house being alive was there's a bit where the guy who owns the house, he has his dead wife <laughs> encased in concrete in the attic of the house. What? It's yeah. so scary. I, I'm not scared by it. And also, didn't he meet her like a circus? Yeah. Because she's like a really like big she's, woman. She's like like a fat woman. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> that, biggest woman uh, yeah. in the world. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> so this film is the kind of film where you're like, oh, I did watch this. And then all scenes start coming back to you. But this film, when I watched it, so you know how the human brain, when, ex- when you experience <laughs> intense trauma, tries to block it out? 
That's how I felt about that film. I, I watched it as a kid and I was scared because it was just unsettling. It's how I feel with Tim Burton films. It just didn't feel right. Yeah. And I just blocked it out of my mind. I, I was, I'm was i so scared by that film. I still can't watch it. Like My housemates want to watch it. And I Have you seen Gerald's Game? I've not seen Gerald's Game. Oh, incredible. Watch, watch that. Great horror film. Very sinister. Really stays with you. I can watch that. I can't watch Monster House. When I was in Nepal, I was on the horror channel at the hostel and Monster House came on and it was it was like an evening so it's like 7pm which is when the actual horrors start it's truly the most shocking film and it's for children there's no warning like by the way there's a, there's a woman engulfed in concrete like it's just oh I, I a lot get... of very disturbing stuff does happen in that film and also I'd looked up now it was like 2006 and the person who co-wrote the screenplay was Dan Harmon of Rick and Morty fame there we go. Oh. Which is quite Twisted interesting. minds. Yeah. But no, it is honestly one of the most disturbing... And I think my parents must have bought it for me thinking, oh, it's just a bit of like a friendly kind of like, oh, it's animated, so it can't be that bad. It is that bad. Harrowing. It, it's that mid-2000s era when all these animation studios were pushing out these films that weren't completely visually polished. Because yeah. this film, you look at it now and it looks terrible. Oh. Like, the original Toy Story, for example, holds up. It, it's very basic, but it holds up. This doesn't. No. It looks terrible. And it, and all these films had, like, dark stories. It was obviously adults that got together were like, let's just write a film and it's going to be animated and who cares? Like, straight to DVD. We don't care. And it turns out to be traumatising. <laughs> I decided to go on the parents' guide from for the um, on the IMDb. And I'm going to read you. The, it says, so at the bottom, it says, frightening the intense scenes. I'm going to read this to you, okay? So... The story of Never Cracker's wife is quite sad as we find out that she was a circus act because of her weight. And when building the house, she falls into a hole and accidentally pulls the lever of a cement mixer as she's falling and is buried by it. <laughs> and then you find out later that she's actually in the attic, just encased in concrete. It's, it's horrible. It's... A literal sex trophy. <laughs> there's also a bit in it that I remember now where there's a bit where they're trying to make them throw them up and they make a joke about grabbing onto the uvula and then I think one of them calls it a vulva. <laughs> it's, just, it's just very strange. That film. is a Dan Harmon joke right there. That's that is very much Rick, Rick and Morty yeah. levels of... Oh, man. But yeah, that film disturbs me a lot as a child. Also, the other one here that I quite... is kind of is weirding me out because I've never heard of it is Emo the Musical, which I first read as Elmo the Musical. <laughs> yeah, which I didn't think existed. Is it title for Elmo? Because that maybe would happen. It's Emo the Musical. Let me look this up. So I do have a love-hate relationship with this, but I do listen to some of the songs. It's um it's a very problematic Australian musical. I think it's like 2014, 2016, 2000, yeah. 2006. So it's quite recent. And it's about it's it's so problematic. It's about high school and cliques. And Can I read the synopsis? Oh, of, do uh, it. So when Ethan, an emo kid who hates almost everything, <laughs> falls in love with Trinity, a good Christian girl with a passion for life and her Lord Jesus Christ, will they be able to live happily ever after? <laughs> That's literally that is that is the film is in a nutshell. It's incredible. Like it's the Jesus kids versus the emo kids in this school, and there's a battle of the bands at the end, and it, it's so awful. And so the the kid, what, what's his name, the emo? Ethan. Ethan. Ethan moves schools because he tries to hang himself, his old school. But he doesn't actually, he does it for attention. And he joins the emo band at the new school and their merch is a noose around their necks on the shirts. And it's all of it's just great. Oh, there's, there's a great line from the, so in the finale, I don't want to spoil the film for everyone. 
go home watch it but i'm going to spoil it they do a little mashup of the emo kids and the christian kids and one of the lines in the song is jesus loves me jesus would have been an emo and it but it comes in so quick that no one hears it it's only because i've listened to the soundtrack about 20 times oh there's um he gets an emo girlfriend to hide his feelings for the christian girl and um he dumps her because he doesn't actually fancy her and uh she's got a, a song you cannot leave me and um because uh, if you leave me in your cupboard, I will hide with a knife that is sharp and pointy. What? I will stab you in the heart before I let you break mine. Honestly, I'm going to start singing. My, if my voice wasn't like this, <laughs> I would be singing Emo the Musical, belting it out. I actually want to watch that now. I think it's on Netflix. It is on Netflix. What? It's, it's incredible. It's so funny. and well, it's just, That's planned for next week. <laughs> it's just awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah Christmas, Eve, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, with you when you're sitting down with your family. After Absolutely you finish your turkey. Not. Emo the musical. <laughs> emo the musical. I, I, my sister would love it. My sister's fully like an emo, like goth vibe. It's, and she does like to start tension on Christmas Eve. So, Fair <laughs> genuinely enough. ideal. So to sort of take it to sort of a family and sort of that childhood kind of aspect. Nice. <laughs> um, so the last question we like to ask people are: um, What films from your childhood are meaningful to you? Yeah, so this was a bit of a weird one. It seems like my family's just, like, mental. But um, I was raised on Lord of the Rings. It was, like, my mum's favourite trilogy, and my dad used to read me The Hobbit, and he tried to read me Lord of the Rings, but I cried. <laughs> uh, we used to have, we had an audio book um, with orcs in, obviously, because they're characters. And uh, <laughs> the voice of one of the orcs was so scary, because bear in mind, I'm like five when some of these films coming out like I'm really young like some of them come out before I was born probably and it was genuinely traumatic and we're just on the way and I'm just like listening fine and then one of the orcs goes like get him in there and I was like oh my god and I couldn't stop <laughs> no. crying and we had to like stop the car and walk me around so I could get away from the sound that was that orc <laughs> but yeah they, they truly like shaped me my nan and my mom like they'd go and see every film when it was released and Jurassic Park too that's another they're like really instilled in my childhood those mm. memories and just sort of being genuinely terrified because they're not like I watched Shaun of the Dead when I was like eight or something and that's I mean it's a, it's a comedy but it's also like the zombies like that's scary yeah the bit that always used to get me was the bit where it's Dylan Moran's character gets ripped apart by the zombies and so you see it's like intestines come out and stuff that's yeah. pretty bad bit, bit of gore bit of yeah, gore that, for that. the kids but yeah um, another one to be fair actually what you've done here for uh, so half of your picks on the list are just films that I really don't like Okay. which is a Lord of the Rings and I actually don't like Titanic very much um, oh, Titanic's atrocious I have I have overdone it with Titanic me and my sister I, I, it's like a really vague memory my family is isn't like religious or anything we do Christmas but uh, we open the presents quite early and then we eat quite late so there's this like lull halfway through the day which isn't very festive to admit but but there is I hope you're not listening Nan uh, <laughs> she, she will cry she's like don't come home then um yeah, me and my sister found it one Christmas and then we just would not stop watching it and would not stop watching it. And it, we we have that, me and my sister, when we find something we like, like Rocky Horror Picture Show, we watched that so many times that we did it, like we performed it, just the two of us. Did get awkward in the touch-a-touch-a-touch uh, touch me scene, but you know what, we'll just, <laughs> we'll just move past that. But um, yeah, I don't know, I just found Titanic. At the time, it was so like, I'm probably like 10 years old and very impressionable and like romantic. But I remember before I was bitter. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> what a concept. Uh, yeah, I. but I can't watch it now. It's one of those things that it's just, I, I've seen it too many times. Like, 
every character irritates me now because I'm like, I don't know what you're going to say. And then I'm like, oh, the film's predictable. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've seen it quite a lot of times before. But even the first time, I think it is quite long. It's like three it's hours, a bit much. isn't it? It's too long. It's, it's definitely way too long. too long. But it, it came out around the same time when there were films like, I think it was Australia and oh, The Aviator. Oh, no, that's uh, Australia. was like the mid, like 2008. The Titanic really? came out in like 1999. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm confusing. Uh, then, then no, but, but I, I swear around the time Titanic came out, there were a couple films which were also quite long. It was It was kind of that era where they wanted to bring long film back again. Yeah. For no reason. Oh, no, Titanic, I cannot do it. But Lord of the Rings, why don't you like it? I don't like Lord of the Rings because I just, A, they are quite long, and B, I don't buy into it. That's my problem. Suspension of disbelief. Well, no, it's like, because of all the stuff that you have to understand about it. Ah, the lore. And, like, basically, yeah. anything with lore, I find very difficult to get into. Yeah. I understand and that, I'm saying. Very difficult to, like, stay up to date with, and... I think, yeah, any time it gets to the point where it's like, you have to remember from film to film. Like, Harry Potter's pretty pretty simple. Like, it's not... Com- like, the narrative of Harry Potter is not remotely complex. Yeah. It is if you actually read the books and delve into it, but I don't bother doing it, I just watch the films. <laughs> Whereas with the Lord of the Rings films, they are quite densely packed with lore and or different characters in different places, and they've all got weird names as well. Yeah. And there's different languages. So it's like, I guess... Perhaps it is something to do with me and like that kind of fantasy thing because I couldn't get into Game of Thrones either. I can't do Game of Thrones, and it's it's that idea of having to not just catch up with a ton of content, but also have to teach yourself. It's it's not just cat like learn, you know, give it a little read on the Wikipedia. We don't know. Like teach yourself the history of this world, <laughs> where I I can't do it. I can't teach myself the history of this world. Like, it's such an impossible task. <laughs> why, why bother others? Then be like, let's make one that's not real. Well, the most confusing lore of them all, hands down, this is not film, this is not a TV show, it's the uh, card game Magic the Gathering. I recently <laughs> got back into it because I'm playing on, on, um, in a tournament and I used to love it when I was like 12, but I, I didn't know there was lore to it. Like, I thought the art was cool. I knew that they did different releases of, like, sets, which is when they release new cards, like, a couple times a year, and that's it. This year, when I got back into it, I realised that the 26 years that this card game has existed, there is lore that goes on and on and on. And the reason there are so many variations of characters is because of the lore. And I'm like, I don't care. Luckily, you don't need to know it to, to play, but mm. for the big nerds, it's it's there. It's there, and it's, it's, it's pivotal. <laughs> Yeah, no, a lot, lot of lore I can't do. But Lord of the Rings. See, I love, I love Lord of the Rings, but I, I do prefer The Hobbit when that came out, I think, because it, it's, it's easier to digest for me and because that's what I read. I never read Lord of the Rings. Okay. It was I haven't so read Lord of the Rings and read The Hobbit. And I love the book of The Hobbit. I thought it was great. Very concise adventure. And that's where the film fell flat. Yeah, for me. so that's that's very ironic because the set I've only I've seen the as you know I've seen the first one which I didn't mind. I've I seen liked it. I liked the last one. The middle one is the worst film I've ever watched in the cinema. Really, it was so just it was so long it, and nothing happened. It was it was it was really convoluted. The like, second I, one. I thought that like the thing that did did it for me was like I was pretty much ready to tap out by the time they got to the Misty Mountain and mm-hmm. I thought oh well, they'll do this in the next one. Then he goes inside, and then Bendit Cumberbatch starts being a dragon. It's like, that goes on for another 45 minutes. Oh. Like, See, by that point, I was just like, I'm just going to leave soon. I didn't, actually. I've never walked out of this film before. But that, <gasps> that, that is the closest I've ever been to doing it. What film did you walk out of? 2012. Ooh. It was absolutely shocking. It's terrible. I, I genuinely... Like, my favourite bit is 2012 is about, like, 
the end of it, it that is 2012. And, um, oh, the bit, there's this Russian man in it and they're all like trying to start a car and there's like loads of stress because the world is ending. There's this tsunami coming and they're like putting the keys in the ignition. Oh, it's not going. And then he just goes, Pookie, drive. And I was like, stop it. And then the car started and that's when no. me and my mom just looked at each other and went, no, nah. I was like, we'll tap out. I think the reason I hate Call Me By Your Name so much is because I watch it with my mom. I feel like if I watched <laughs> it with someone who slightly liked it, I would have been like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Have you ever watched that film? Have you ever watched that film before? Um, no. Well kind of so when I was about three years old I just turned three <laughs> we were watching Monsters Inc in the cinema in Argentina and I weed myself so I had to go home and get changed and, went, and we, we actually got home got me changed and got me back into the cinema to watch the end of it oh wow so dedication from my mother right there see this is when board shorts would have come in handy because yeah. you could have just dry. sat in your own mess the only time the, the only time that I've been close to doing it was the f- when I watched um I talked about it earlier didn't I I'm trying to think what the film's called but it's absolutely blanked on it it is the film it's got Suki Waterhouse in Assassination Nation Assassination Nation because yeah. there's a bit in the beginning where it is really graphically violent and I was like Oh, I'm oh, not no. sure I can do this right now but I watched the rest of it and it was actually really good and yeah. I really enjoyed it films I, I, I have almost walked out of films and Batman vs Superman I would have walked out but I was with about four friends and they physically restrained me from leaving the <laughs> cinema so that was, uh, that was great um, I wanted to leave during um, Divergent which I had to watch dubbed in Catalan because our local cinema was like yeah we're just going to dub it in Catalan so that was a uh I wanted to leave, but it was my brother's birthday and he had friends with him, so I had to, like, supervise them. So I saw the whole of Divergent in Catalan and did not enjoy it. And then, um, what else? Um, The Nightingale. That, that is damn loud. Um, <laughs> the Nightingale, which is a film that came out this November. I watched at film festival earlier this year. And one of the big talking points about the film is that it's a revenge film and what kicks it off is that in the first five, in the first ten minutes, there is a long graphic rape scene, which I feel is really distasteful. Yeah. And I was sitting there, and I was a, it was a small cinema, so it must have been what five or six rows of seats, and I was in the second row. Uh, of all the films I saw at the festival, it wasn't that packed. It was like mid capacity for the festival, so it must have been you know a quarter of the cinema was filled. And almost half the people there left. Really? Understandably. Understandably, because it's just not... I Why put yourself through a horrible scene in a film and have to, like, you know, vis-, vis... Mentally relive a very visceral... No, just no. So I didn't leave it, but I... Was tempted. I was tempted. Um, I really enjoyed the rest of the film. Um, but, yeah, is Yeah, haven't really walked out of film just because don't want to, you know, waste the money I spent. <laughs> No, I've, um, I, in the UAE, which is where I used to live, me and my friends used to take it in turns and who would choose a film because we had a very different taste. I went for a phase of really loving Bollywood films. So every time it was my go, we'd choose a Bollywood film. And then it did get to the point where I was choosing, like, ones I, I knew they were going to be bad. Some Bollywood films are absolutely incredible, but some of them, like, the poster is made on, like, clip art. And I would be like, yes, we're going to see that. And I'd done that for like my last three goes and they were annoyed. And um, they chose the boy. And I didn't know what that was about. I hadn't heard it at all. And I was like, yeah, okay, set my friend to get tickets, go sit down. And they were like very adamant, like sit in the middle of them. 
And I was like, okay, a bit weird, but okay. Sit down, and then it starts, and I'm like, this feels like it's sinister. <laughs> this feels like it could be scary. And then, it, yeah, it starts getting like really intimate. And they, that was another restraining moment. That was, Oof. that was awful. I literally thought I was going to like do my shoulders in because I was like kicking <laughs> my legs around. It oh, was no. actually a sick film though, The Boy. Have you seen it? No. I'm, what I'm imagining now is I'm imagining it like the scene in A Clockwork Orange where they've got the guy's eyes opened <laughs> with the thing. I, uh, That's what I'm imagining happening to you while watching that film. I'm so surprised. I've never seen Clockwork Orange, but they do that to Santa's little helper in The Simpsons at one point to train him to hate the Simpsons and right so they hold his eyes open so yeah. I'm, I'm getting the reference but okay. not, not from the like cool version no. from like the dog in the Simpsons the other version you could go for is in Mr Bean's Holiday when he uses matchsticks to keep his eyes open in the uh, car I will allow that yeah. as a reference as well a cultural touchstone as well yeah <laughs> Tom and Jerry did it first though with when he keeps the sellotape on his eyes so he doesn't fall asleep oh uh, yeah oh no he did it they didn't do it first because that obviously they would have read the book Unless the episode is older than the book. I'm sure, like, Vlad the Impaler tried this at some point. Like, one of one of these crazy old guys has definitely done this Sounds to people. Sounds like it. Sounds <laughs> like it. And on that very cheery, festive note, <laughs> I think it's probably time to wrap up the podcast. And I think we did touch on it earlier, but if you want to uh, re-promote uh, anything, you're very welcome to do so. Yeah, plug your stuff. Yes. So, oh, what do you uh, do? Yes. Uh, so, what should people go listen to? Yes, go listen to Mind If I Expose on Fuse FM. Just listen to anything on Fuse FM. Uh, I do podcast when I remember to edit. And uh, Girls Aloud, I can't give you any times because they are TBC. But um, so fun. Listen. And if you want to check them out, fusefm.co.uk is the website and you can listen to it for free from any device. I also found out that Apple Music on their app um, it has TuneIn Radio integrated. So oh. you can just listen to Fuse FM. That's how I was listening to it the other week. Oh, love that. And... If you want to catch up on Maisie's older episodes, Mixcloud is where you upload them, right? Yes, that's right. I know it. I'm I know it. Number biggest one fan. fan. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so Maisie Woodford on Mixcloud because I made it before I thought of my name. That's all right. You're ne- you you are your own brand. I am. I am a brand. Yeah. At this okay. point. Influencer style. Brilliant. <laughs> So you can find me on Twitter at Josh Sandy and on Instagram at Josh W Sandy. All my social media is Tobias Soar. Thank you very much for listening. And it's time probably to announce that even though it is uh, the middle of December now, we will not be doing any of the regular shows with guests on for the Christmas period. But we've decided to basically pre-record episodes so there will be a half an hour mini episode every Tuesday until we come back. Yes, we love commitment. Absolutely. So (laughs) So, enjoy that, people. Yes, and we will see you with a fresh episode in January. So thank you very much for listening throughout the year. And goodbye. Goodbye.